Heavenly Father, I thank you. What a privilege it is to know you. What a privilege it is to follow you. What a privilege it is to come together as a community of believers and to sing and to praise and to worship you and to, uh, to spend time together before and after the service. Thank you right now in this moment as we hear from your word. Holy Spirit, you speak and minister to us. God, let us grab a hold of what it is that you are trying to speak to us in this season And so we thank you, God, as we hear from your word, God, that we are moved not just from hearing, but into doing as well, God, in our lives. And so we thank you for that in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. I know it's June, but I'm a big fan of Christmas. Like talking about Christmas, a little out of season, right? But I'm a big fan of Christmas. And if you ask me why I'm a big fan of Christmas, I've got to give you the, the correct answer as a pastor. Uh, Christmas is an amazing time because it's when we remember the birth of Jesus Christ and, and we remember Him coming and like we think it's the start, but really it's the fruition of a millennia of God's plan as so Christ comes. And so I love it for that reason. But there's another more fleshly, selfish reason that I like Christmas. It's because I like presents. I like getting gifts and I like getting presents. And I remember as a child watching the Christmas movies. Does anyone remember that? You watch the Christmas movies on TV and they're always like American Christmas movies. And the children would have these wish lists and they list down all the presents that they want to give and they give them to their parents, their wish lists. And I thought this was just a fantastic, amazing idea. I never wrote down a Christmas wish list because I wasn't concerned about getting presents. I just wanted to get a present. I didn't want to tell my parents what it was going to be. I was like, Mom and Dad, please get me something. So I never wrote down a wish list. You can ask my dad. I'm pretty sure I never did. My wish list was just to get a present. But listen to this. this my kids, they're all in on the Christmas wish list. We have all in here sometimes at church where we come along, we're behind the vision of the church, we want to hear what it's about. Well, they were all in on the Christmas wish list. And so 2022 Christmas wish list from my eldest son, Ethan. Have a listen to this. He's at the front here, he's he's getting nervous. Star Wars Black Series Darth Vader helmet, $250. Nintendo Switch. He didn't specify which one, but I'm just going to go the, the basic one. $400. Valve Steam Deck. I had to Google that one up. I didn't even know what that was. It's, yeah, it's some sort of gaming console. $800. And I had to laugh because when I added all these things up, and, and I'm not suggesting he wanted all of them, and he actually didn't get any of them, but because <laughs> mum and I had a wish list for him, and we gave him that wish list. <laughs> But when I added all these items up, I was like, we've got a problem here. There's not going to be any money left over for Gabby or for my other two kids. And even worse than that, there's going to be no money left over for me, for me to get presents from Gabby. Any parents know what I'm talking about, or you might be an uncle or an auntie or a grandparent, and you, and you know what I'm talking about, right? Anyone here remember being a child and maybe having a wish list that you gave to your parents? I reckon there's still some people here in this room who are young, young enough and who are still doing that. Sometimes our, our wish lists, uh, either intentionally or unintentionally, they're pretty self-focused, aren't they? 
They're all about what we want to get, what we want to receive. They're all about ourselves, our wants, our needs, our wishes. And if we're being honest, our wish lists are rarely about others. They're rarely about the people around us and in our lives. And so today, I want to try to get us to refocus our eyes off ourselves and onto others. I want to try to get us to, to change our thoughts, to change the patterns of our mind, the way that we think, so that we would look to the people around us, so that we would have a generous eye, a generous eye that seeks out generosity, that seeks out opportunities to, to, be, to bless those around us. And yes, with our finances, but also with so much more than just money, with our time, with our abilities, with our hospitality, with our words, with our energy and with our love, there is an opportunity for us to be generous in all those areas that we would be a church and a people with a generous eye. There's a scripture verse in the Bible that highlights a, an, interest, an interesting Jewish idiom that the, peop, that the Jewish people had towards generosity. And you might be, might be saying today, what's an idiom? And it's like, no, it's not that guy at the front who's an idiot. No, it's an idiom. It's a group of words that have more meaning than the words individually mean. It's a group of words that when you initially look at it, it, it has a deeper meaning than the face value of it. So let me give you an example today because it's probably more helpful for you to understand that. Here's an idiom. Kill two birds with one stone. Now, if you're not familiar with English, if you've never heard that term before, you're, right now you're thinking, what? What are we talking about here? We're going to kill some birds. We're going, to, what? We're going to be throwing stones. We're going to put them in a slingshot or something like that, kill birds. But we know that this idiom means something more than that. We know that it means to accomplish two tasks at once. Has anyone ever heard that term before? Kill two birds with one stone. So, so what was this Jewish idiom around generosity. Let's read it this morning. Matthew 6, 22 says this, The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. The words healthy, or some translations say good, and the words unhealthy, some translations say bad, they mean the following in Greek. They imply Healthy, generous, unhealthy, stingy. Generous eyes or stingy eyes. And so the meaning behind the idiom is this. Your eyes are either generous or stingy and how your eye is, your whole life will be. How your eye follows what it goes for is how your whole life will be. And as we look at that, we know that this statement is true. Just look around at your life, people that you've known, people that you've encountered. Think about people who have generous eyes. Their life just seems to overflow with just goodness and, and generosity and joy. And there just seems to be a spark in their life that they're, that they're good people to be around. And then there's other people that have stingy eyes. It's a bit quiet in here this morning. There's other people that have stingy eyes. And like it, what, what, it just their whole life just seems to follow that pattern. It just seems to be postured in that way. What is a generous eye? A generous eye is a heart that is open to giving. It's a heart that sees the needs of others 
and meets those needs. It's a heart that's open-handed and gives freely of its time, money, abilities, energy. It's a heart that's not focused on its own wish list, but instead focused on others. And so today, if that's the case, if we're talking about a generous eye, and I believe it is the case, how can we live our lives with a generous eye? What do we need to understand? What do we need to change in our thinking? And I've got three points I want to share this morning. If you're taking notes, write these down today. A person with a generous eye understands generosity is about more than money. When you hear the word generous, typically you think of, well, maybe I'm speaking for myself here, but typically you think of a person who is a giving person with their money, right? You think about the person who, when you catch up with them, they pay for coffee or they pay for the meal. You think about the person that, I don't know, if, if they give you a gift, they give you a gift that's like above what, what it really needs to be. Uh, you think about the person who says to you, hey, we're going to go out clothes shopping and I'm paying, you know, I'm going to do that for you. We think about those types of things and that is generosity and it's amazing and I want to con- commend people that live that way in their lives. It is fantastic. But if we only equate generosity with money, then it can make us feel that it's the only way to be generous, but it's not. Maybe I need to say that again. If we think that generosity only comes down to money, we can make us think that that's the only way to be generous, but it's not the only way to be generous. Billy Graham says this, the world needs more people who are generous with their time, their talents, and their treasure. Their time, their talents, and their treasure. See, a generous eye is more about having a God-centered mindset that guides us in being open-handed with everything in our life. Open-handed with our time. Open-handed with our hospitality. Open-handed with our energy, our abilities, our compassion, and also our money. Turn to the person next to you and say, man, this is some good preaching this morning. Proverbs 22, 9, he who has a generous eye will be blessed. Luke 6, 38, given will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And if we think generosity is only money, we read these scriptures through the lens of giving and we miss out on how there is so much more blessing God wants to make in our life. See, God isn't only just interested. In fact, I'd say I'm not even sure if he's that interested in blessing our lives financially, but he can, and I know he does. But he wants to bless us, overflow into all areas of our life. Who wants their, their time to be blessed? Who wants their hospitality to be blessed? Who wants the blessing of God on their energy, their abilities? Anyone this morning, who wants God to bless their whole life? See, I want God's blessing in all areas of my life, not just my money. So today, don't think you can't be generous because you don't have a lot of money. There are plenty of areas we can exercise generosity to the world around us, to the people that God brings across our path to show them that we are generous in every area of our life and what we have in our lives. Number one, a generous person understands generosity is about more then money. Number two, a generous person embraces countercultural generosity. Countercultural generosity. There is a countercultural, radical generosity that we can embrace 
and practice in your life. And today, if you, wanted to, if, if you, if you came along and you've come along to meet with God and, and we're about Jesus and he is the greatest thing you can receive today. But if there's another secondary thing that you wanted to receive, I'm, I'm going to just drop a truth bomb on your life that you're going to leave here and you're never, ever going to be the same. You're going to be like all, all these, you know, um, Tony Robbins, who's that guy? He's got nothing on, on Bronson Blackmore, right? I'm going to drop it right now. Do you want to hear what this, thing, what this, what this, this, this countercultural radical generosity is? Five of you are ready. What about the rest of you? Countercultural radical generosity. Okay, that's like 60% of you. What about the rest of you? Countercultural radical generosity. Yes, that's what we're talking about. Generosity. Without the ask. Generosity without the ask. See, a lot of us are very good at rising to the occasion. When someone asks or when we see something occurring, we rise to the occasion. You know, when we see the ad on TV for the, for the Salvation Army, when your kids' school asks for volunteers, people to give of their time, we, we do that. When someone asks you to go out for a coffee and they want to share something that's going on in their lives, you, you're going to pray. We're generous. When you come to church in the four weeks of a year where we talk about legacy, we're generous. See, we'll be generous when asked, but countercultural generosity, radical generosity, it steps up. It rises to the occasion. It says, I will be generous when it is not asked. 1 Timothy 6.18, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. Generosity without the ask looks like this. Telling a family you're going to babysit their kids so the parents can go out on a date. It looks like this, giving someone your laptop after you hear that theirs had died. It's sending a text message to a friend out of the blue, letting them know how much you value their, their friendship and relationship. It's helping do some home maintenance on someone's house when you hear that they've got a need and they can't do it themselves. See, see it's all those types of things. Timothy Keller says, generosity challenges the prevailing mindset that happiness is found in personal gain and instead reveals that true joy is found in selfless giving. And he's echoing what the scriptures say, Proverbs 11:25, a generous person will prosper, whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Can I let you know today a radical generosity that sees something in someone's life and before that person asks, you know, gives of the time or your ability or your finances or whatever it might be, this is how you will be refreshed in your life. I don't know about you, but I've found that no matter how much money is in my bank account, it never refreshes me. I said that last week, you know, I started my first job, full-time job, $24,000 a year, you know, 30 years ago, well, well, 20 years ago, whenever it was, got promotion after promotion, it was never enough. If you think that pursuing personal gain is going to bring refreshing and satisfaction in your life, it will not. What will is a radical generosity that refreshes other people's lives with your generosity. And the scriptures say, not me, that whoever refreshes others will be refreshed, will prosper. A generous person understands generosity is about more than money. A generous person embraces countercultural 
generosity. And thirdly, a generous person sees generosity as an act of worship. The keys could come. Being generous doesn't depend on how much one has or how much one can afford to give away. Generosity doesn't come from abundance. It comes from self-sacrifice. And that's what Gabby said earlier. At Elevation Church, we're not looking for equal giving. And that's in all areas. We're looking for equal sacrifice. We don't all have the same ability, but we do have the same ability to give the same amount of sacrifice. And in the Bible, this is illustrated by the story of the widow's might. And you might, have, you might know that story, you might not, but it's a story where Jesus and his disciples are standing at the temple and they're, and they're watching people as they give money to the treasury box. And, and today, after, after our service this morning, I'm going to stand at the red spot and I'm going to watch people put money. No, I'm not going to do that. Put, put their tires in the red spot. And he's, Jesus is observing and he's watching and he's looking. And the scripture says that he sees uh, people come along and put money in. He sees people who are well off, people who are wealthy, put their money into the treasury box and put large sums in. And then he observes a widow come along and comes along and she puts in two mites. And two mites is roughly the equivalent of two to four dollars today uh, in our money. And, and he says to his disciples this in Luke 21, verse 3. Truly I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty, out of her self-sacrifice, put in all that she had to live on. And today I'm not suggesting that I'm asking or the church is asking or God is necessarily asking for you to put all that you have to God, to the church, to, to, to give away to other people around your life and to leave yourselves in a, in a desperate financial situation. But, God, but Jesus is saying this, this is the point He's making. The size of the gift is measured by the size of the heart. The size of the gift is measured by the size of the heart. The widow's heart was huge, massive. The others were giving, their hearts were small. They were giving out of their abundance. She gave out of herself, sacrifice. The size of the gift is measured by the size of the heart. See, when our heart connects generosity with worship, with worship, if you can start to see that your generosity, your giving in life to other people of all areas of your life, which we've spoken about, is an act of worship, it'll move your heart to a greater level of generosity. I don't know about you, but I love to worship God, but worshiping God is not just singing songs, it's living a life, a generous life, it's living a life following God, hearing His Word, obeying Him, it's living a life that desires to see the Kingdom of God advanced, that people would know Jesus Christ, souls for the Kingdom, people to know Jesus and receive the power of the Holy Spirit. When we connect it with that, then we see it that is more just a transactional obligation. 2 Corinthians 9.11 You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous in every way. Such generosity produces thanksgiving to God through us. Generosity produces thanksgiving to God. Generosity comes from a heart of thanksgiving to God. Who's got something to be thankful to God this morning? We have much. We have so much to be thankful to God this morning. I caught up with uh, pastors of uh, Infinity Church on Friday night and, and we were speaking and we were talking about, hey, if all God ever did was send Jesus on the cross, 
who died for our sins, who rose again like no other person has ever before, proved His divinity, and then went to heaven and offers us salvation and eternal life. If that's all that God ever offered us, it is enough and we have much to be thankful for. And yet, He offers us so much more in His Scriptures, so many more promises. We have something to be thankful for, to have thanksgiving in our lives. And see, when we give generously, it worships God. And the person who receives our generosity, can I tell you something? They can worship God too. Wow, look what God's done in my life. Come on, we get the ability. God, look what you've done in my life. You've given me the ability to be generous, to bless someone else. And then if you've ever received something, I've been many times in my life, especially when I was younger, received generous blessings from people. Thank you, God. You are so good. Everyone thanks God and worships God. Generosity is an act of worship. Randy Alcorn says this, Generosity is the fruit of a transformed heart that delights in meeting the needs of others out of love and gratitude to God. Gratitude to God. We've got so much to be grateful for, church. We can show our gratitude to God by meeting the needs of others. Generous person understands generosity is about more than money. Generous person embraces countercultural, radical generosity. A general person sees generosity as an act of worship. Today, as I close, as I as I end this message today, next Sunday is, is our, our Legacy Sunday, and there's those pledge cards in front of you in the seat pocket, and there's all different types of ways that you can give, and you can give once off, you can give over, you know, 52 weeks, however you choose. Can I just say this? We're not, we're not about how much you give. We're just about the fact that you do give. And we're about the fact that we give self-sacrificially. And so I want to encourage you today, if you've never been part of this before, I want to encourage you, would you be part of what's happening? To be part of this church community. I, I'm so encouraged when I see how many families, individuals, couples are involved. See, like I said, it's not about the amount that you give. It's about the fact of faith and saying, God, I want to be part of what my church is doing. I want to be part of the vision. I know that there are people standing. I want to stand shoulder to shoulder with other people who are believing for our future, who want to see church plant, churches planted, who want to see our building improved, who want to see us give to missions, who want to see us plan for our future. But as I close today, I want to ask you, how are you doing with that Jewish idiom of the healthy eye or the unhealthy eye? What's the posture of your life? Do you have a generous eye? Do you have a stingy eye? Is there work that needs to be done there this morning? Do you see the need? Do, do you need to see that generosity is more than money? Maybe there's, you need to change your mindset, change, your, change your, the way that you're looking at things. Hey, it's more than that. It's so much more than that. Maybe it's time to be generous without the ask. Perhaps you need to start seeing generosity as worship. Whatever it is, maybe the Holy Spirit spoke to you about something else that I haven't even spoken about today. He's saying to your life right now, maybe you need to hear and listen and obey and take a step of faith. This year at Legacy, as we close our eyes, we've got an opportunity to activate generosity. We've got an opportunity to activate faith, to believe God that He will do what He said He will do. He's going to build His church. We've got an opportunity together to be part of living, not something for people, something in people. 
that they would know Jesus Christ. That's what the church is for. It's about pointing people to Jesus. That's what we're here about. See, at Elevation Church, we're about creating environments that inspire intimacy with Christ, relationship with others, and influence in our world. We're about healthy local churches impacting their cities, and we want to leave the legacy of a relationship with Jesus in people's lives. This morning, Lord God, I thank you.